So in that that version of you, of what he says you are in him, you've got to ask yourself, well, what about me? Do I, what is it about me that I need to know in order to live in this version that God has for me? And that means I need to deny some things about me, you know, a few things that need to be addressed and removed or taken away or denied, right? Not let those things control me. Welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast, a podcast that focuses on coaching you in the growth of your faith. Our world is struggling to find peace in the midst of all this chaos, direction in the midst of all this aimlessness, and purpose in the midst of no meaning. We are challenging everyone to take time to think about the point and purpose of your life. Then you will know what you believe and why you believe it. This leads to a stronger faith, and this is how you find peace, hope, and love in this world. My name is Justin Mayer. I'll be your host, but we cannot do this without the one, the only, the Salty Pastor himself, Dr. Douglas Peak. Well, welcome, everybody. It's good to be with you today. And I'd have to say, now that I have uh, forayed into a series on women, that I am still here today. You are still here. These <laughs> these were not recorded months in advance in case Doug was uh, chased out of the country. Unless, unless it was received poorly. But it hasn't been. It's been very encouraging. You know, some ladies have been sending me emails, uh, some encouraging, some disagreeing, but they've all been great. And I just have to say thank you to all the ladies for their their kindness and sensitivity and the way they uh, share their emails. It's been wonderful. That's awesome. And we are utilizing the life fulfillment equation that you introduced a couple of weeks ago as mm-hmm. a template for investigating what the Bible says to women. It comes from the words of Jesus in Luke 9. And if we uh, know Jesus and we know ourselves and we know the world, then we can find a saved life. So that comes from Luke 9 where he says, Follow him, deny yourself, and pick up your cross. Yep. So today we're going to be digging into the last part of that equation in knowing the world. Mm. Yeah, the life uh, fulfillment equation uh, comes from the words in Jesus chapter 9, you know, where he says, uh, if anyone wants to come after me, uh, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, this is the one who will save it. So if you want to save your life, uh, then you need to lose it in Jesus. This is uh, tied directly to the challenge of follow. He says, if you want to follow after me, and the word follow here is really interesting because it's, it's basically used metaphorically. And in the Greek, the metaphorical implication here is, I mean, I'm going to come into being. I'm going to arise up. Uh, I'm going to show oneself, you know, I'm going to let myself be known. So it wasn't, oh, I'm going to follow you from point A to point B. It was more about, I'm going to rise up and become who I was meant to be. Because Jesus's promise to people was the promise of life, Mm -hmm. right? He wasn't trying to tell you how to get to Jericho in a shortcut. He was like, this is about life. So if you want to follow after me, if you want to discover what real life is, the full life, um, and the word for life here is called the breath of life. Okay. So he's talking about the soul. And what's interesting is when he says, save your soul by following me, uh, the primary word there is uh, sos. And it's really interesting because it's a contraction of the, uh, uh, obs- it's, a, it's a, gosh, what do they call that? The ob- ob- obsolete or the obsolete 
it's not obsolete like we use it. It's a little different, but okay. it's a contraction of uh, the word seos, which means safe or, or to save, to deliver or protect, as well as heal, preserve, and do well or make whole. So the, it's a it's a combination of those two words. Okay, see? so it has a lot more meaning than what we kind of simplify it to. Yeah, as save for the English translations of the Bible that right. we're we're used to reading, it has a lot more. It has more meaning hidden behind it that yes. we're not necessarily. It's a lot more nuance up. about. So what he's saying is that do you, if you want to save the breath of life, your soul, meaning you want to deliver it, protect it, heal it, preserve it, save it, do well, make it a wellspring, then this is the life fulfillment equation. So that's kind of where we bring this for, and we think it's very apropos to use as a template. For what the Bible has to say to women, because I believe that women in particular are very concerned about their heart and their soul being whole and being healed. And, and I don't know, maybe they're out there, but I've never met a woman who said, you know, I want my life to be as miserable as possibly can. <laughs> Most of them are like, yeah, I have an, an aspiration to do better, be better, love more, give more, fulfill more. And this equation that Jesus lays out in Luke chapter nine is, is exactly how you do that. So today we're focusing on knowing the world. What does the Bible teach about the world and why is it important that we know about it? Well, you know, first of all, we talked about, well, you got to know Jesus because he has a version of you that the world doesn't. Right. right? And then we said, well, then you got to know yourself. So in that, that version of you, of what he says you are in him, you've got to ask yourself, well, what about me? Do I, what is it about me that I need to know in order to live in this version that God has for me? And that means I need to deny some things about me. You know, a few things that need to be addressed and removed or taken away or denied, right? Not let those things control me. Right. And then knowing the world now is really important because if you want to live a, uh, a new life in freedom, liberty, wholeness, and more, you want this soul that has been healed and made whole and you're protecting it, then you have to address the fact that the world is working contrary to that and it uses your desires against you. So the primary reason that women are unhappy or dissatisfied, confused or unable to discover a, a new life, you know, they're, they're not able to live in the kingdom and walk in this new version that God has spoken of themselves, that God has spoken over them, then is because they are not aware of how the world uses their own desires against them. And so that's a big deal. There are women who have a mature faith that there's a point where they're completely satisfied in life. Their joy overflows each and every day. Uh, they don't have to face bad days or down days. They don't have to deal with anxiety or worry or discontent. And we should look up to those women and follow their example. In this case, though, in this salty pastor in this series, we're talking to the vast majority of women who are not quite there yet. You know, they're still growing. They're still developing. Uh, they want to have victory over these things that are hindering the joy in their life, their fulfillment in life. So I, I have to come back to this notion. I believe this is all due to the fact that women are just like men. They are a human being, just like men are human beings. And we underestimate both women and men, we underestimate the influence of the world in our lives because we don't understand or know what it is attempting to do to us. 
I mean, it kind of goes back to that you need to know your enemy thing, right? Like, Ooh. if you... If you, Sun Tzu, yeah, the art, art of, war. of war. If you don't know your enemy, then you don't know how they're going to attack you. And that's one of the best ways to defend is if you know their tactics. And while the world's tactics are constantly changing, their base principles and their base desires have never really changed. It may just yes. look a little different in the mm -hmm. way they are approaching it, right? Mm -hmm. Because yes. the world is constantly changing. So what does the Bible teach us that the world is trying to do to us so that we can better understand how to defend ourselves? Well, what I what I did is uh, I just kind of went through and got a bunch of passages of scripture where it talks about the world okay. in particular. I picked about a third of them just in the New Testament. So if you eliminate all the Old Testament uh, passages that deal with the world and its influence, and you take about a third, maybe just a little over a third of all those in the New Testament, this is what they are. I thought they were the most apropos. Okay. And this is how they go. It starts in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 13, verse 22. It says, Now the one sown with seed among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, and the anxiety of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. So the world produces anxiety, and it deceives you in order to choke out the gospel in your life. Okay. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus says, and the field is the world. This is the parable of the wheat and the weeds, yeah. the wheat and tares. He goes, and the field is the world. And as for the good seed, these are the sons of the kingdom. And as the weeds, they are the sons of the evil one. So the world is growing the seeds of the evil one, right? In Matthew chapter 16, what good would it do a person if he gains the whole world, but forfeits his soul? What will a person give in exchange for his soul? Matthew 18, woe to the world because of its stumbling blocks. For it is inevitable that stumbling blocks come, but woe to the person through whom the stumbling block comes. So the world is filled with people who are seeds of the evil one, and they are stumbling blocks, okay? Mm -hmm. John chapter 3, verse 19, and this is the judgment that the light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light. For their deeds were evil. In John 14, Jesus says, Peace I live with, leave with you. Peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. So he says, okay, there's a peace that comes from Jesus and a peace that comes from the world. But they're not the same thing. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled nor fearful. Mm. In John chapter 15, he says the following, If you were of the world and the world would love you as its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world because of this, the world hates you. In John chapter 16, Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace, and in the world you have tribulation. But take courage, I have overcome the world. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Paul writes, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul writes, Now we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. So you see how he juxtaposes, he compares mm. the spirit of the world and the spirit of God. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul writes, verse 2, And you were dead in your offenses and sins, in which you previously walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, 
and of the Spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. And then finally, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, the apostle writes, Do not love the world, nor things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life, is not from the Father, but it is from the world. And the world is passing away, and also its lusts. But the one who does the will of God continues to live forever. So all of these passages, this is the third of them, give you an idea. Wow, the world is a big deal in the New Testament. Right. And the, we need to know the world. Because if we are going to know the kingdom of God, we also need to know the world. And how the world has an agenda for us and how that agenda interferes with us living in the kingdom of God here on earth. And how the world's agenda uses our own brokenness or our own flaw and in some ways our own curse right against us to achieve its agenda now what's happening is this notion that says over and over again is that you know uh the world is a bad thing but so most some people start to say oh i hate the world i hate the world i hate the world but don't get the impression that god hates the world right even though it does this and it's so messed up it says in John 3:16 that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. God did not send his son into the world to judge the world but so that the world might be saved through him. So it's really interesting is that even the world is bad, we need to understand what it does and how it interferes with you, particularly if you're a woman, but you don't want to hate the world because God still loves the people that are part of the world. So we are in the world, but we are not of the world. We are in the world, but not of the world. Yeah, I think the the verse that stood out the most to me was when you were talking about John 14, 27. And he said, you know, my peace that I give you is not as the world gives you. So mm -hmm. that acknowledges that there is a form of peace that the world will try to sell you, right? And that you have to be careful of that peace that is not an everlasting peace, right? right? Because, right. and I think that's where women these days have gotten so caught up is the world has told them, well, you'll be happier. You'll be more fulfilled. You'll yes. be a stronger, more independent woman if you do blank, mm -hmm. right? And that's what the world's trying to do. And it's not that there aren't, there aren't values in the thing that the world is promoting, but like all things in the world it takes something that got originally designed to be good wholesome pure and great right and has twisted it into a way that it is not all of those things so yes. um there's a, there's kind of a false peace that the world does promise but it is a form of peace and we can't let that be confusing yes and so um i think also where you called out that idea of we are in the world, but not of the world. The fact that we are here, if you're a believer, you're called to be reaching the people that are in the world. So you can't mm -hmm. just go and cloister yourself off like the monks <laughs> right. did yeah. and say, I'm just waiting it out till my time comes and then uh, I'm out. Yeah. Right? It's <laughs> I'm like, going to heaven. You're here in the world. You're going to be interacting with people who are not saved yet. And you're calling us to share the gospel with them and be part of the world. But you don't have to be in the world. Like, yes. You don't have yeah. to be of yeah. the world yeah absolutely so talk to me a little bit about some of the principles that these verses have 
embedded within them that are really applicable for the women of today? Well, uh, yeah, I think, well, the first one is this, is that you have to choose, you know, between the two options. And this is, you have to pick up your cross. And so that is basically meaning you have to choose your sacrifice. Right. Because you're going to make a sacrifice. Mm. And you, you, you can't escape making a sacrifice. The question is, is which one do you want to make? And so what's really fascinating is if you just look at the data is up until about 1960, the, there was this notion that people said, well, the kingdom of God is the better value. And so uh, we have people that don't live up to that in America and we get that, but the value is still the kingdom of God. And so, but in the sixties at the sexual revolution, they kind of abandoned that. And then the secular idea came to fruition and this was the birth of second wave feminism and then then of course after that in the late 90s third wave feminism started but what happened is is that there was this notion that well we're gonna choose the world's way and if the world's way and this became the you know preeminent approach for all women in the 60s now i'm not saying all women followed it but i'm just saying it from a cultural standpoint we left the kingdom of God one, being a good Christian woman was the ideal, to being a secular woman is now the ideal. Right. And if that were true, then today, 50 years later, right, 60 years later, then what would happen is women would be more happy, they should be more fulfilled, they should be more joyous, they should be more emotionally strong. But today, is any of that the case? No. It's the exact opposite. Absolutely. Is, is women are struggling now more than ever. So the first thing in these passages of Scripture is you need to choose. So choose well. And the second thing is, ladies, be very, very discerning about what you allow to influence you that comes from the world. Right. If you need to make your choice, I want to be in the kingdom of God or the kingdom of the world. And then once you make that choice, you're still in the world living. So you have to be very careful about what you allow to influence you. For instance, in today's world, the it does not honor the feminine ethos unless it's sexual. So no, a woman is only to act feminine when trying to sexually attract somebody for sexual pleasure, okay? And what's really amazing about that is the, the power of the feminine, the character of the feminine, the, the nurturing of life aspect of the feminine, the, the motherhood intrinsic in the feminine is all discounted, right? Children are more of a problem, okay? Domestic exploits are to be shunned uh nurturing other people means you're putting yourself in a second position the these things are denigrated in the secular world's idea of uh, a version of a woman the focus today for women particularly young women is that you it's your productivity it's your career it's your independence 
that's the foundation of your identity. You know, you don't need people. You don't need a man. You don't need love. You don't need to nurture anything. You're, you need to go out and have a career and you need to make as much money as a guy so you can pay as much taxes as a guy and the government has more money and you have less and you'll be happier. And this has just been proven to be completely and unequivocally unsatisfactory for women. Hence, all of the increase in, you know, anxiety and sadness and unhappiness and isolation and loneliness. Yeah, I think the the idea of there are some women who want to be out working, but I think the overall idea of that's the only way to happiness is if you're doing that. And if you choose to do anything other than that, you are failing as a woman and you're setting the whole movement back or whatever. I think right. that's what I hear the most from uh, the females in my life is I have a lot of females that do want to work. They, they, they get joy and peace out of it, but it's not their primary motivator and it's not the thing that they believe is making them happy. It's well, just to be clear. Females have always worked, right? <laughs> They've always worked. The question is, is where are they working? Right. And you're saying those options are fine, but it being pushed into just one way of working. Yes. Which is uh, quote unquote, a real job, which I mean, I don't know any job harder than raising kids, but <laughs> yeah. let's say for the thing, a career path right outside of the home is being the thing that's being pushed as this is the only way to experience true happiness. And if you choose right. something else, you're wrong and you're terrible for making the rest of us women pick up your quote unquote slack. Right. Mm -hmm. But there's still also that drive internally. And we've talked about this on the first week where our testimonial said, well, it feels like I have to do everything. I mean, I have to do this and that and try to balance it all. Right. And I think there's this idea that the only one that's right from the world's perspective is have a career and yeah. everything else is wrong. And what you're saying is the Bible and just in general, women have so much more to them and they're called to so much more. And so trying yes. to take all those values and all those things that they have innate within them and say, none of those matter anymore. The only thing that matters is whether you have a nine to five job or you're the big boss at some company that really gets rid of every well, so, single, yeah, you, every you, single else. That's a perfect example, and that is is that, you know, I said you've got to be really careful about what from the world you allow to influence you, and that is is that if, if you have a work and you want to work, you want to do things because women have always worked and they've always been productive, right? Uh, prior to, you know, just 100 years ago, you know, most people lived on farms and women were producing all kinds, you know, all kinds of things in the farm. If you go back and read Proverbs 31, you see, boy, she does all these things around this agricultural lifestyle, producing all this stuff, right? Clothing and profit from selling fields and, you know, making food. I mean, she's very, very productive, right? But what the world is trying to do is convince you that your productivity doesn't come from your feminine capacity. Right. It comes only when you act like a man. Right. So you got to be very careful about that. I think that's important. Yeah, I think just overall the world has not become more friendly to the feminine image of God. It's actually become very aggressive. Yeah, I think the it. world is erasing it. Hence the, you know, the great way that, you know, you uh, kind of uh, put a theme, you know, to this whole series as we were talking about it. You know, you were thinking and praying. You came back after a couple of days and said, I think this is really the way we want to, what do we call that when we? when we put a theme on something 
you know, branded or whatever, yeah, yeah, kind yeah, of say yeah. that's the word we want to go for. And I think the graphics around it are excellent. The world is erasing the feminine. It is a belief that all, and this is why this is so important. A lot of people don't really think about this. And, and you don't have to be a deep thinker to get this, you know, but I think it's important is that, is that our society, when it became a secular society, it started to adopt cultural Marxist principles and values. And so they're out there. They exist. And the problem with Marxist ideology is that it believes that all relationships, economic relationships, political relationships, even family relationships, love relationships, sexually intimate relationships are all power expressions. Right. It's all about power. So if you, you know, you falling in love with another person, that's not real love. That's just power. Right. right. You're trying to exert power over there and they're trying to exert their power over you. And because you took the initiative as a male, that female is oppressed by you. She had no choice but to, uh, you know, respond and fall in love. I mean, it's just ridiculous when you read about it, but nobody ever reads Marx. They only read about Marx. Right. right. And they don't ever actually read what he said. And you read it and you go, this is really kind of nutty. Yeah. You know, but what happens is, is it's a belief that all relationships are power expressions. Therefore, all relational spaces, all relational aspects of those relational spaces are reduced to power structure. So it's all about power. And what this does is this destroys the notion of love and intimacy and friendship and beauty and, and warmth and nurture. It, it, all of these wonderful peace, patience, kindness, all these character traits that make life so wonderful and joyful, right? It just destroys all of them mm. because it says it's a power, it's a power structure. That's all it is is and so women then now are enculturated or pushed to build lives completely independent of men and i thought oh okay i ran across this video this gal explains it really well and so let's listen to what she has to say when she talks about the struggle of modern women people are finding it very hard to stay together as we move closer to 2023 yeah. why do you think that is um, because all the programming for the last 10 years has been designed to teach us how to break up. It's been designed to pit men and women against each other, to fear commitment, uh, to glorify single life, to kind of think, okay, this is how you move on, this is how you play hard to get, this is how you uh, get someone to sleep with you. You have created the groundwork for divorce and none of the groundwork for marriage. You don't see people teaching them that this is how to communicate your pain or this is how to select a partner correctly. You say, this is how you trick a guy into that. This is how you stick a girl and this is how you get her to sleep with you and this is how you get her money. Um, we've glorified sex so much and we have almost demonized marriage that we are now programmed to simply keep uh, moving on to the next and finding alternatives and combined with the plentiful alternatives we have now through technology is a recipe for disaster isn't wow. that powerful how yeah. she really analyzes that that women in particular men are being programmed this way as well but women in particular uh are being programmed right to think in these terms how to trick men or have a negative view of men or you don't need men and you don't need this and so the, it's pushing women and reinforcing a lifestyle uh, to uh, in the, the direction that it's pushing them 
that ends up undermining and isolates them. It's a, she says it's a culture of breakup and divorce. It's not a culture of staying together and staying in love. And that I think is devastating. You know, women, the feminine brought the whole notion of love and the beauty of love and the, the importance of love to society, particularly Western civilization. It's not about power. It's about this wonderful, unique partnership between a male and a female that if we can bring the feminine and the masculine together and pull us together, we ultimately can have this beautiful, wonderful life. We're still going to be influenced by the world and deal with our flaws, but at least we have something, and that is a lifetime romance. Absolutely. Well, I'm excited to hear more about how all of this applies to the modern world on Thursday, but I think we've got a lot of verses today that we can all just kind of marinate on, on who the world is in our lives and what we should be taking from it and what we should be doing in it. And I think having that distinction again, going back of we are in the world, but not of the world is very important, especially as you think about this um, from the perspective of a man or a woman and how you are letting it influence you. So I mm. think... We'll end there today, Pastor, but I'm excited to pick back up on Thursday with application. And we just thank you so much for sharing these things with us. We thank you, Salty Pastor audience, for listening. Make sure you like or leave a comment. If you are getting something out of these um, episodes over the Women's Series, we want to hear the feedback from you as well. So let us know if you're on YouTube. Leave a comment. Let us know how we're doing and what you're hearing and resonating with. And uh, we'll see you on Thursday here on the Salty Pastor podcast. Blessings.